The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Well, I would, uh, I'd like to welcome you to Christ Church. I'd like to say for, for most of you, congratulations. Um, since Easter, uh, you are two for two in attendance. Uh, so congrats on that. You made it. Um, I was, uh, when, at my old church in, in Munford, the pastor used to stand by the door uh, as people would leave, you know, to greet them and say goodbye and all these things. And, and uh, there was a guy that, that uh, we, we only saw him so often, and, and, and the pastor got really emboldened, and he said, you need to join the Lord's army. And the man said, ah, I'm already in it. And the pastor said, well, then why do we only see you on Easter and Christmas? He said, shh, I'm in the secret service. So thank you for not being in the secret service. We are glad that you're with us today. I'd like to say this before we get started, where we're going today, what the Lord has, has brought us to here in, in 1 Thessalonians, is not a place I brought us to, all right? This is where the Lord brought us to, um, and, and I'd like to pray, uh, I'd like to pray that he would, um, he'd speak uh, during this time and give us some understanding. So would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, um, every time we open the word, I, I guess this is true that, that um, we are diving into something um, far above us. Um, I, I've never, I, I don't feel um, the weight of that as often possibly as I should, but I certainly feel it today. Um, so Lord, I, I ask that, that you would speak here today. Um, Lord, that you would give them ears to hear your word. Um, and Lord, you would give them minds um, to sift through um, what I say today, to hold on to what is good and to throw away what is not. Um, and so, Lord, just, just use this time. This is, this is yours. Um, we love you. Thank you for hearing us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'd like to start by saying this. Spiritual gifts are important. All right? And, and you hear us talk about it from time to time. We, we have a class, an equipped class. We've been going through spiritual gifts. They're very, very important. Um, but what are spiritual gifts used for? Why are they so important? At 1 Corinthians 14, 12, it says this. So with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations or gifts of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church, okay? So spiritual gifts are used to build up the church. Build up for what? What does that even mean, right? Let's look at Ephesians 4, and we'll find an answer. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up, there we go, there's that word again, for building up the body of Christ, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So spiritual gifts are used by God to bring us to the stature of the fullness of Christ. So God uses spiritual gifts to make us more like himself. You want to grow as a believer? You want to grow in your faith? Spiritual gifts are a way that he grows us in the stature of the fullness of Christ. They're absolutely important. And listen, I love my church. I love the church as a whole, but I love my church. I love this place, right? And, and, and as I've heard someone say before, I love my church warts and all, all right? Christchurch, sometimes we do, a little, we do things differently, all right? We're a little weird, okay? And if anyone from Christchurch says they're not, they're lying, all right? Call them out on it. We're weird, okay? I, I heard a story about one of our, our kids went to, to school. The, the teacher was having a show and tell and told them to, uh, to bring an object to share with the class that represented their religion, 
Okay, so, so there was a, a Jewish boy in the class, and, and he brought a star of David. He says, I am, uh, my, na- my name is John, and, and I'm Jewish, and, and this is a star of David. Uh, this represents my religion. And, and then there was a girl, and she was Catholic, and, and she came in, and she said, my name is Mary. I go to the Catholic church in Bartlett, um, and this is a rosary. Um, and then we finally uh, had Tommy. He said, hi, my name is Tommy. I'm from Christchurch Bartlett, and this is a casserole, right? And so... We're a little weird, we're a little different, right? But I love my church and I want this place to exceed. I want it to reach the fullness of Christ, right? I want us to look more like him. I want us to, to, to attain that. I want us to, to strive after that. Is that anyone else? Anyone else show of hands who wants this place to succeed, to grow in the fullness of Christ? I'm not playing. Raise your hand, all right? Like, is that you, okay, all right? Exactly, that's what we want. Well, listen. What if I told you that there's a gift that's so misunderstood in our churches that it's misused and despised? Would you want to talk about it? Would you want to to, to understand it better so that the Lord could use it to bring us to the stature of the fullness of Christ? And I I have to tell you, I've already said it. I didn't want to bring us here, but the Lord brought us here in 1 Thessalonians. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Thessalonians Thessalonians chapter 5. And here's that word, here's that, that, that thought, that spiritual gift, and it's, it's prophecy. Now, when I say that word, I know what comes to mind. I know for some of you, it's, it's Harold Camping, right? He was the guy who did May 11th, Judgment Day. And then afterwards, he said, I meant October. And then after October, he said, I don't, I've disconnected my number, right? So we think about that like predictive, right? Or, or maybe you think of... Uh, maybe you think of the charismatic movement, right, and, and prophecy like that. And, and there's, these are definitely some, some negative examples of, of prophecy, but I think they all come from a, a fundamental misunderstanding of what New Testament prophecy is. So hopefully let's, let's look at the scriptures and, and the Lord will speak and give us some insight. So First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Let me give a quick aside. A lot of people preach from this passage and they grab a verse and they say, this is good, don't quench the spirit. Or they grab a verse and say, avoid every kind of evil. This is good, I'm going to preach on avoiding evil, right? But I, I, I think that this passage is, a, is not independent, pithy statements by Paul, but these are is a carefully crafted argument about the New Testament prophecy. And that's how we're going to look at it today. And so what, what I want to share with you today, I've made six observations about prophecy and and we're going to look at that through the scriptures today the first one prophecy is a gift the church needs prophecy is a gift the church needs without it we quench the spirit look at verse 19 do not quench the spirit so without prophecy without 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 participating in what the lord's doing in that spiritual gift we're quenching the spirit and what does that mean what does that what's come to mind there well what what it is is it means we're stamping out his influence in our lives as he's trying to bring us to the fullness of christ to try to make us more like him if, if we reject that then we're stamping out his influence in our lives i was reminded when i, I thought of that picture that stamping out like stamping out fire i was reminded of uh, when i was in Munford, I had a student uh, who was playing with fireworks, and, and uh, he was 13 at the time, and, and I'll just say when he was at 13, I wasn't sure that his elevator went all the way to the top, and uh, so he was playing with fireworks during a drought, 
You follow, right? So he, he's playing with fireworks during a drought in their front yard. And, and one of the things about their front yard, they're on a main road that runs through where they live. So there are people constantly coming by. I don't know how anyone didn't just jump out of the car and just smack him across the face. But he's just lighting fireworks and, and the, the fire starts to get bigger. And he said every time the fire would start, we would just stamp it out. And eventually we're stamping and stamping and it's spreading and it's spreading. And I said, what did you do? He said, I started grabbing a, a hose and I sent my friend in to tell my parents. And I said, you're a really good friend. He sent his friend in and I said, what did he say? And, and, this, and, I, and so I called his dad because I want to make sure I got the story right. This is my favorite part. This, this boy walks in. Can you imagine? 13-year-old boy just walks in. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Turner? Yes? Your lawn's on fire. What? Like, you know, like, how do you even process that, right? So they went out there and did what everyone else was trying to do, you know, stamping on it, looking like some sort of weird, you know, heathen ritual, like dance, fire dance they're doing. And, and thankfully the Lord spared their house, but their lawn was pretty black for a while, and it was hilarious. So quenching the Spirit is not something we want to scoff at. That's not something we want to just pass over, all right? And so if we reject this gift, then we're quenching the Spirit, and, and that's a bad thing because the Spirit is sanctifying us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as His first fruits to be saved through sanctification, being made more like God, being made holy, through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So you want to be more like Jesus than participate where the Spirit, with what the Spirit's doing in your life and don't quench it. Don't fight against it. Don't try to stamp it out. So prophecy is a gift there that we need uh, so that the Spirit will sanctify us. All right, We don't need to reject it or we quench the Spirit. Number two, New Testament prophecy is different from Old Testament prophecy. What is New Testament prophecy? Who's it for? right? Who's it for? Is it for pastors? Is it for, is it for professional Christians, right? Is it, who's it for? Let's look at the scriptures. It's for all believers. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Especially that you may prophesy. It's for all believers. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. He's just gone through all these spiritual gifts and he reiterates. He said, so brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy. 1 Corinthians 12, 17 through 18. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Yea, and on my men servants and my maid servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. So who is it reserved for? All believers. All those with the Holy Spirit. So, so what, what is it not? All right, let, let's get that clear. What is it not? Well, it's not Old Testament prophecy. Old Testament prophecy started with the Old Testament prophets. They literally spoke for the Lord. Their words were infallible. They were the Lord's words. Check this out. In Deuteronomy 18, it says, I'll raise up from them, this is God speaking, I'll raise up from them a prophet like you, uh, like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth. He shall speak to them all that I command him, and whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So what does it say there? What's God saying? He's saying, I'm going to put my very words in their mouth. And if you don't do what they say, it's sin, because those are my words. So it's not I'm revealing something to him and he's going to communicate it to you. No, he's saying, I'm putting my words in his mouth. 
All right? So that's Old Testament prophecy. And, and that continued with the New Testament apostles. Okay? So Jesus has this new office of apostles. And they literally had the words of God because they recorded the literal words of God. And that's what your Bible is, right? So, so God put his literal words in them, infallible words. And they spoke for the Lord. Galatians 1 beginning in verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone's preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. For I would have, have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. What's he saying? It's not coming from me. He says, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So again, they're saying, these are God's words here. These aren't mine. This isn't another man's. This is God's word. 1 Corinthians 2, 13. We impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. We've already seen this. I'm sure you remember. And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. What does he just say? He said that the word he spoke was the word of God. All right? So the New Testament apostles continued this Old Testament uh, prophecy, right? Uh, literally speaking the words of God. Do you think this is what God intends for everyone? So, so New Testament prophecy is for all believers. You think that's what God intends for everyone? Your sons, your daughters, your young men, your old men, your maids, your maid servants, right? Really? You think that's it? Everyone can run around and say, thus says the Lord, right? Really? You think that's what God intended? Of course not. So what is it? Here's what New Testament prophecy is. Revealing something the Lord has revealed to you. Wayne Grudem, he defines it in this way. He wrote an excellent book on New Testament prophecy. I encourage you to look it up. But he says, he calls it this. Telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. So speaking what the Lord put on your heart in a conversation with a brother or sister, New Testament prophecy. Praying for a specific thing that the Spirit prompted, New Testament prophecy. Speaking encouragement to someone that the Lord has led you to, New Testament prophecy. Speaking the understanding God gave you from a scripture you read, New Testament prophecy. Telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. And you say, well, what's the difference? Isn't that what the Old Testament prophets did? God said something to them, so they said it. What, isn't that what the apostles did? God said something to them and they said it. What's the difference? Here's the difference. Listen, listen. Here's the difference. Authority. Authority is the difference. Look at verse 21 and 22 of 1 Thessalonians 5. But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. What does that show? That shows that it's fallible. That when we prophesy, when we reveal to others, we communicate what God has revealed to us, it's mixed in with, with me. It's mixed in with, with my understanding. It's mixed in with, with my ability or inability to communicate, right? So it's fallible. It says there's good there, but there's also not good there, all right? So test it and hold on to what is good, right? So it's fallible. When we think of prophecy, there should be a category for authoritative, infallible words of God from the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles in his word. But you know what? We also need another category. 
And that category would be spirit, the spiritual gift of prophecy, what we're talking about today. And, and that category would be defined as spirit-prompted, spirit-sustained, revelation-rooted, but mixed with human imperfection and fallibility, and therefore in need of sifting, Right? So it's mixed with human imperfection and fallibility and therefore in need of sifting. Our prophecy is imperfect. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 10. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. What does that mean? Our, our prophecy is imperfect. It, it's, not, it's not complete. It's imperfect, right? Acts 21, 10 through 11. Um, Agabus prophesies that Paul is going to be bound by the Jews and given to the Gentiles. It was an imperfect prophecy. He was bound by the Romans and given to the Gentiles. Acts 20, 21 verse 9, Philip had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. But then Paul teaches later in 1 Timothy 2, he, he prohibits the, author, uh, the authoritative teaching of women. So he's saying, this is to be celebrated. These four women are prophesying, but we shouldn't have authoritative teaching by women. Well, how is this not a contradiction? Because this isn't, prophesying isn't this authoritative, God has spoken, right? It's not, it's not infallible, the very words of God. They're just a revelation, they're just communicating what God has communicated to them, right? So that's the difference there. Our prophecy isn't perfect. You know what the easiest example I could think of is? Me. That's the easiest example, when I stand up here and I'm telling you what the Lord's revealed to me about the scriptures, is it perfect? No. Is everything I say perfect? Close. No. Is everything I say perfect? No. Is everything I say good? Absolutely not. Have you met me? Right? Like, no. No. It's fallible. And so what it requires is what? For you to sift through and find what's good, what's God. And let go of everything else. And the only way to describe everything else, it, it is evil. Plain and simple. There's, there's the Holy Spirit in me, and then there's me. And I'm broken, and I'm corrupt. And I'm not holy, and I'm not God. I'm evil, quite frankly. And so sift through what I say and find the good. And there are practical ways we use prophecy in our church today. Uh, on Tuesday nights, we have prayer meetings, and sometimes in prayer meetings, the, like, I feel like the, the Lord will impress on me to stop right there and, and forget what our prayer focus is, but we're going to pray for this person right now. That, that's, that's prophecy. I'm revealing to you what the Lord's revealed to me. I think the Lord's led me to this, so I just want to say this. Sin, when sin's confronted, I've had friends come to me, and they've confronted sin in my life. Well, the Lord revealed to them that what I was doing wasn't pleasing to him, and so they communicated it to me. New Testament prophecy. A, a comment in Bible study. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been looking over a passage with friends, right? And we've been going through the, the scriptures, and, and, and they've just said, you know what? You know what God says to me through this scripture? And they've communicated that to me. New Testament prophecy. Preaching and teaching. I'm examining the scripture and seeking the Lord, and I'm telling you what I believe has been revealed to me. In our relationships with others, in conversations, I have a close friend that, that every time we, I talk almost everything through with this person. And, and as I'm talking through it, a lot of times I'll hear him say things like this. You know what? I feel like the Lord's given me some sort of insight here. So for whatever it's worth, I, I feel like the Lord has given me this piece of wisdom. So, so here it is. Let's just see if that's helpful. That's New Testament prophecy. That's exactly what that is. And so prophecy 
Uh, oh, New Testament prophecy is different from Old Testament prophecy. So thirdly, prophecy is despised. Look at verse 20. Chapter 5, verse 20. Do not despise prophecy. Why is it despised? Mainly, it's a misunderstanding of what the gift of prophecy is. A lot of people, again, they think it's predictive, right? They think New Testament prophecy is someone walks up to them and says, you will eat a Mexican restaurant today and you will be sick, right? That's not New Testament prophecy. That's just common sense, right? You know what I mean? That's just the trade-off, right? It's just how it works. Some people think it's reserved for a certain type of believer, right? There's a pastor who can prophesy. No, no, no. It's for all believers. Some people think it's an expired gift, right? That doesn't exist anymore. It will not expire until Jesus comes again. We already read 1 Corinthians 13 that we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So how is it despised in our churches? I've never seen anyone standing out front with a sign that says, I hate prophecy, right? I've never seen that. How is it despised in our churches? Number one, it's misused. It's misused. It's misused. People are careless with God's name, and they follow their feelings over truth. I'll give you an example. People are dogmatic sometimes over a wisdom issue. There's a lot of gray areas in our lives, and those are called wisdom issues. And a lot of people, they, they attach God's name to, to their feeling about a wisdom issue, and they're dogmatic about it. I'll give you an example, movie choices, right? I remember growing up, like people would tell me like, if you see a rated R movie, it's a sin. Rated R stands for repulsive, and if you see it, that's what you'll be to God, you know? That's just a personal preference. Like, that, that's all that is. Like, here's the truth. You've seen a rated R movie, it makes you uncomfortable, you attach that uncomfortability to spiritualness, right? You say, well, I'm uncomfortable because that must mean there's, there's sin here, and so this is, this is bad, and I can't see rated R movies. You've attached God's name, you're careless, and you've attached God's name to a wisdom issue, you've attached God's name to your preference, and you've been careless, and you've misused it. Or sometimes, again, it is personal preference. You know, I, I remember um, had a conversation, I, I think it might have been with Brother John, about the first time they brought drums in the church. Maybe it was an old church, I don't think it was here, but it was another church he used to be at. And people thought they were of the devil. Well, they aren't. You just don't like them, right? There's a difference. So you can't put God's name on everything you don't like, right? I mean, you can't, like, you, certain things, like, you hate the Yankees because Jesus hates the Yankees, right? Like, that's biblical, all right? Like, that's there, okay? You can do that. But, but you can't just put God's name on everything you don't like. Uh, and so people have misused it. And they also, people have misused it because people blindly follow other people's influence. People turn their brains off when it comes to a pastor, right? A lot of times when it comes to a pastor, an author, they just turn their brains off. And they say, whatever you say, right? What, you got it, bro. Whatever you say, I, I, I like what you're saying, so whatever you say... That's misused. You're just, you're just taking that as the word of the Lord. Whatever they say, that's dangerous. I mean, I did it. Like growing up, I grew up under Adrian Rogers. I, I think he was one of the greatest Bible communicators who's ever lived. And, and to this day, I, I still listen to him and, and, and read the, I li- recordings. Okay, I don't like go, it'd be weird. But I, I still listen to him. I still read things by him and it's very helpful. But, but when growing up, I mean, anything he said, I would have been like, well, I mean, Jesus said, uh, Dr. Rogers said it. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I just took it for whatever it was, you know? You want to boycott Disney? Sure, it's of the devil, right? Like, we, I just did whatever he said. I, I, was mis- I misused it in that way. 
It's not only misused, it's neglected. And I think the reason we do that most commonly, we reject other people's influence. We say, you know what? I have the word of God. That's all I need. Everything else is man-made, man-thought-of. I don't want it. I have the word of God. And the truth is, true New Testament prophecy is supported by the word of God. The reason I read authors like Piper and Calvin and Luther and Warren and Lewis and Bonhoeffer and Chan and Chandler is because God has given them a revelation through the scriptures, all right, through the scriptures, and they're sharing it. And I want to hear what God's revealed to them. Are they perfect communicators? No. Are they perfect writers? No. But it can lead me back to the ultimate truth. If they say anything that's not supported by scripture, I'm done with it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear it. Doesn't matter, right? It's not authoritative. So we also, it's neglected because we restrain ourselves from speaking. We're so afraid to speak against God. What a great fear that I don't want to muddle up what God is doing. But because of that fear, we'll restrain ourselves. So we don't speak to our brothers and sisters. Instead, we don't, we don't say things like, you know what, I feel like, like the Lord's impressing on my heart to say this. We don't say things like that. Instead, we say, well, I'll be praying for you. Or, you know, have you read your Bible enough? Like, we say things like that. And what's the result when we despise prophecy, when it's misused, when it's neglected? Verse 19, we quench the Spirit. So what do we do about it? How do we protect ourselves from despising it? Number four, prophecy is to be tested. Verse 21 through 22. But test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Test it. Hold on to the good, throw out the bad. We have guidelines for prophecy. Our number one guideline is the word of God itself. Is the word of God. The complete and finished revelation of God himself. It's perfect And it's a complete revelation. There's no adding to it. There's no subtracting to it. It is the revelation of God. And that is our first and most perfect standard. 1 Corinthians 14. Here's what Paul says. If anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that what I'm writing to you, okay, so this is an apostle, okay, this is an apostle, literally the words of God. What I'm writing to you is a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Paul is saying, what you read is the final say the word of God is the final say it is profitable for teaching rebuking correcting and training in all righteousness it will not pass away the earth will pass away but it will stand forever so our first guideline for prophecy our ultimate guideline for prophecy is the word of God itself does it stand supported by the word of God itself the second one is specific guidelines in the word of God in first Corinthians chapter 14 if you want to turn there uh, you can do that. We're going to look at this quite extensively. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their building up and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. We'll talk about tongues another day. That is not for today. But continuing through what what we see here about prophecy, one of the guidelines, verse 1, love. Love. Pursue love. 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a definition of love. Love is patient, kind. 
Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It's not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It's not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So prophecy should be given kindly, patiently, humbly, gently, and for the betterment of others and not oneself. Love is, is our guideline. The second is verse 3. Look, upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. So upbuilding, it should be given to strengthen their faith, to sink their feet deeper in the foundation of our faith in Christ Jesus. It should be given for encouragement, which is to encourage them Godward, right? So it's, it's, to, uh, it's for spiritual growth. It should push them towards God, challenge them towards God, right? It's Godward focused. And lastly, consolation, which is comfort through the hopes of the gospel. In a time of trial, prophecy should speak comfort to those mourning, to those in, in confusion, and, and to those in a time of trial. This, is, this should be God consoling them through the hope of the gospel, right? And number three, look at verse four. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Prophecy should be selfless. It's not about, look, look how smart I am, right? Look what I figured out, because you didn't. It's spirit given. It's not, it shouldn't be like, look how brave I am, to have, have experienced this and brought this truth to you. It shouldn't be a, a martyr complex. I've, I've been here. I've done that. And, and the Lord revealed this to me. I've endured this so you don't have to. Instead, it's about bringing Jesus fame and not yourself. It's about his bride. It's not about you. For us to use prophecy to, to point at ourselves to be as inappropriate as you being the hairdresser at a wedding Getting, the, getting her looking nice, and when the wedding march starts, you walking down the aisle, right? Look at me. The hairdresser is here. I've done my work, right? Praise me. Be inappropriate. Your job is to make the bride look good. Your job is to enhance the bride. It's not about you. That's what prophecy is about. It's not about you. It's about the building up of the body of Christ. If it shines a spotlight on you, be wary. Be wary. Because that's not spirit-led. Anything to bring pride to you, that's not, that's not the spirit. That's the flesh. Number five, prophecy is to be received. How? Well, test it. Test it, love. Right? Test it. The greatest of these is love. Um, test it, number one, by the word of God. We've already said that. The word of God will not pass away. Right? So, so, so judge it by the word of God. Take it back to the word of God. If someone comes to you and says, the Lord told me that, that, you know what? We should take revenge on that person. Test it by the word of God. Where God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Right? So obviously, that's not the word of God. Test it by the word of God. Second, ask yourself, is this helpful? Is what I'm hearing helpful? Is it for edification? Is this encouraging? Just bring comfort and remember that this person, they're just revealing, they're just communicating to you something the Lord revealed to them. They don't have all the information that you have. They don't know everything about your situation. And so, so some of it might be good and helpful and some of it might not be. Although their heart might, might have been pure in their motive, it might not be helpful. Especially in the case of prophecy that requires someone else to take action. Michael Harper wrote this about that. He said, prophecies which tell other people what they're to do are to be regarded with great suspicion. With great suspicion. It's like someone might come to you and tell you, you know what, you need to reconcile with your friend. That's scriptural, that's biblical, to reconcile. That's good. 
But you know what? They don't have all the information. Maybe they don't know that you've tried to reconcile a hundred times to this point. They keep rejecting you. And at this point, it's just throwing your pearls before swine, right? So again, test it by the word of God. Ask, is this helpful? Is this good? And then hold on to the good and reject the bad. The good could be absolutely minuscule. But hold fast to it. I had someone in the church come to me one time. They felt the Lord was leading them to tell me this. Um, and it was absolute preference, what they're talking about. It's absolute preference, and they're selling it as if this is the word of the Lord. And so I listened, and most of it I absolutely threw out. But you know what? There was good there. There was a little bit of good there that, that let me see how I could tend to that flock better than I had before, right? So I held on to that good, and the bad could be very damaging, so avoid it and reject it. Um, the Lord prompted uh, a woman to, to come to me at one point and, and tell her uh, what God had done in her life um, since I've been here and, and how the Lord's used me and things like that in her life. And it was very encouraging. But you know what? Then she started saying things that were, were puffing up my pride. Um, and they weren't good. They weren't leading me Godward. They were leading me to, to me. And um, that's not good. So I held on to what was good. Thank you, Lord. That's encouraging. And I tried to reject and avoid what was evil and, and what was wrong and what was puffing me up, right? So listen. It's not perfect. Listen, sift it, ask it, test it, hold on to the good, reject the bad. Lastly, prophecy is to be spoken. How? Number one, test it by the word of God. If you feel like the Lord uh, has revealed something to you, you need to speak it, then test it by the word of God. Is what I'm saying true? Take it back to the scriptures. Is what I'm saying supported by the word of God? Or is it not? Find your, find your proof there by the word of God and ask yourself again, is this helpful for the edification of the body, for the encouragement, for comfort? Is this helpful? And then test yourself. Why am I saying this? For, for the good of others or for myself? Will this point them Godward or will this point them back to me? And how smart Grant is. Oh man, what? That was incredible what he said. Is that what I'm doing? Or am I pointing people Godward? I'm not saying that you should be afraid. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should be afraid to tell others what you believe God has spoken to you. But you should be fearful. Does that make sense? I'm not saying you should be afraid, but you should be fearful. Because you're dealing with a holy thing. You're, you're invoking God's name at this point. This is a holy thing you're doing. So there should be some fear there. There should be some reverence there. Some, some respect there. should not be flippant. So there should be some, you should be fearful, but not afraid. So test it. Test yourself. And lastly, speak. How do you speak? Three things. Speak, number one, prayerfully. God, use this. What I'm about to say, use this. What I'm about to communicate, use this. Be prayerful as you speak. Keep focus there on God. Second, secondly, humbly. Consider the hearer, not just the speaker, not just yourself. Bring it to them humbly. Listening to their, their situation, where they are, speak, be, be humble. Say, I, I, look, the Lord's revealed this to me. I, you know, as I've read the scriptures, I, I feel like, like he said this to me. And so I'm just, I just want to bring this to you. Don't be domineering. Don't, don't go to anyone and say, what the Lord wants you to do this. Be humble, all right? Be humble as you deal with prophecy. Lastly, 
speak honestly. I mean, speak honestly. When you're talking to that person, say, look, look, hang on a second. I'm not God, all right? I am not perfect, okay? You need to test this. What I'm saying, you need to test this. I'll say that about every Sunday morning. Every message you hear, I'm not God, all right? I know a lot of you are like, yes, of course you're not, okay? Like, I get that, okay? I am not. Test it. Be honest when you speak to people. Look, this is just what I feel like the Lord's led me to say. I, I, I see it in the scriptures, but, but you know what? Test it, okay? Test it, because I'm still in here. I want this to be a church of people who desire to, to, to communicate and to reveal what God's revealed to them. I want this to be a, a church of people who are spirit-prompted, spirit-sustained, revelation-rooted, but are fallible so that we hold fast to the Word of God. But this is going to require some things of us. I want to close with this. So this is going to require us to be a people, number one, who love the Lord above all things. I want to glorify Him. I, I want Him to be famous and, and worshipped. And if we don't love the Lord, then we'll use His name and not be used by it. Do you understand? We'll use his name to get where we want to be, to get the fame we want, instead of being used by his name. So number one, we have to be people who love the Lord first. Secondly, we have to be a people who love his word. If you don't love his word, you're in danger of loving the words of others more. Do you understand? If you don't love his word, then you're in danger of loving the words of others more. Prophecy doesn't even come close to the revelation you find in the scripture itself. Doesn't even come close, all right? It's a spiritual gift that the Spirit uses absolutely, but it doesn't come close to the revelation you'll find in the Word of God. Donald G. uh, is from the uh, Assemblies of God, and he said this, Many of our errors where the spiritual gifts are concerned arise when we want the extraordinary and exceptional to be made the frequent and habitual. Let all who develop excessive desire for messages through the gifts take warning from the wreckage of past generations as well as of contemporaries. The holy scriptures are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We must love the word of God. And also, if you don't love his word, then you're in danger of speaking foolishly. Where are you getting your wisdom? How are you testing anything you're saying if you don't know the word of the Lord? And lastly, we have to be a people who love each other. Our love must be genuine for one another so that our goal will be to edify one another and not to puff up ourselves. We don't have a genuine love for one another, then I will speak regardless of how you feel. I will speak not for your building up, but for mine. So we have to have a love for the Lord, number one, a love for his word, number two, and a love for one another. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us somewhere I never would have brought us. Um, Lord, I just pray that that what we heard today was helpful. Um, I pray, Lord, that that hopefully it, um, it maybe it corrected some, some long time uh, uh, held um, misconceptions about New Testament prophecy. Maybe there are people in here who've We've despised prophecy because we don't understand it. And so, so now it's, it's not going to be something mystical and something above us that we can't grasp. But it can be something that you say in 1 Corinthians that you, you wrote through Paul that, that we're to desire it. We're to earnestly desire it. We should earnestly desire to hear from you so that we can share it with our brothers and sisters. 
So Lord, I pray that you would make us a church like that. That's spirit prompted, that's spirit sustained, that's revelation rooted. But also we understand that we're fallible. We understand that, that it needs to be sifted so we can hold on to what's good. Hold on to what's true and reject everything else. So Lord, I, I pray you would um, use this message, use the word that you've spoken now to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish. I don't know what you want to accomplish, but whatever you want to accomplish. Maybe someone here today, like, maybe they realize that, that you're the real deal. Maybe they realize, like, they need to put their trust in you. They need to give you their lives. Like, they really want to know this powerful, amazing, gracious, and loving God we've talked about today. I don't know. I have no idea what you're going to do today, what you've done already. Um, but I pray that that we would be faithful during this time to respond how you called us to respond. So we love you. We thank you for hearing us now. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to sing and, and as a response. And, and you respond however the Lord leads. Um, if you need to pray with someone, we'll be down front. Come forward. We'll pray with you. Um, if you need to talk to someone, come, come forward. We'll talk with you. If you need to kneel where you are and pray, you need to come make an altar here at these steps and pray. Um, you do whatever the, the Lord leads you to do, um, but let's respond in this.